This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Russia's devastating war on Ukraine has consumed the news and Washington, D.C. for the past few weeks. But as the price of consumer goods and gas rises, wages remain stagnant. And many are wondering what has become of President Joe Biden's ambitious social agenda on climate change, economic justice, and more. Now, more than 120 progressive organizations have signed on to a letter to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, demanding that he not allow the president's agenda to languish in the face of obstruction from Republicans and conservative Democrats. My guest is Megan Esaheb. She is the Director of Federal Affairs at People's Action. Welcome to the program, Megan. Hi, thanks for having me. So first, let's start out talking about what is the current status? We heard a lot about President Biden's Build Back Better bill, um, you know, at the end of last year, early this year, um, then facing obstruction, it languished. Where are we right now on the major pieces of legislation that organizations like People's Action care about? Great, thank you. Yes, the House passed a budget reconciliation package back in November, and that included many critical investments in our people and our planet that President Biden and Democrats ran on to get elected. It was not everything we wanted. It was already compromised greatly because Senator Sinema and other corporate Democrats had watered down some of the provisions. Um, but then after the House passed the bill, which we thought was going to be passed quickly in the Senate with Democrats only, because that budget reconciliation only requires um, 51 votes. So all Democrats plus uh, Vice President Harris to break the tie. I thought it would pass quickly. And then as many people know, Senator Manchin decided to kill the bill. So we've been waiting. President Biden and Senator Schumer wanted to give him a cooling off period before resuming negotiations with him. Um, and now Senator Manchin has been talking to the media that he supports parts of that package, particularly getting rid of Trump tax cuts, increasing taxes on billionaires and corporations, and passing uh, hopefully all of the climate provisions, or at least some, and allowing Medicare to negotiate uh, lower prescription drug prices for consumers. So there are other important pieces that we'd like to continue to work fight to see included, like the child tax credit, investments in home care, child care and education. But we uh, at least are calling on Senator Schumer now to get S Senator Manchin to the table and see what they can agree on to get passed as soon as possible. Didn't Schumer make numerous promises last year um, about uh, dealing with Senate obstructionism, about trying to take on the filibuster to do it? Um, you know, do you feel that Schumer hasn't been aggressive enough? Um, I, I don't necessarily blame Senator Schumer. We supported him bringing the filibuster, the vote to end the filibuster to the floor. We, we supported him bringing the voting rights legislation to the floor. We do think that um, you know, he, if he doesn't control his whole caucus, he should at least hold, hold everyone accountable, including Republicans, and ask them to vote on these important key pieces of legislation. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's, he's working with what is a equally split Senate. 
and not every Democrat is where we want them to be on our priorities. Um, but just right now, you know, it's not, we, we write to him, we sent him this letter, not so much as criticism, but as just a uh, bolstering to, to push him to get back to the table, to hold congressional hearings on these issues, as Senator Manchin has said he wanted, um, which we also think is good to hold Republicans accountable for their opposition for these crucial investments in the American people um, and, you know, get, get back to work. Because as you know, there's a limited time period before the elections for them to to That's get right. this done and and as you mentioned the rising rising prices um rising rent rising oil prices and and rising food costs are really hurting uh, poor and working americans and they need they need relief now so has president biden also been as aggressive as you would like him to be? Has he used his bully pulpit enough? You know, just recently he had the chance to speak to Americans through the State of the Union address, and he did bring up some issues, but uh, do you think that he was, uh, rem he, he was um, articulate enough on reminding Americans of his social agenda? Um, I do. I, we we thought it was a mixed bag. He did a good job, I think, of of raising climate issues and what they can get done. Um, we were disappointed he didn't talk about the rent the rent crisis. Um, rent went up in twenty twenty one. Median rent went up twenty percent for people, and we have a housing shortage and a particularly affordable housing shortage. So it's a real crisis in this country. So that was one area we thought he was weak in. Um, he he talked about an overdose um, bill that we are trying to get passed that's bipartisan so we were happy with that uh, to fight the overdose crisis um but you know it was it was a mixed bag i think um he could do more selling to the american people right the state of the union is one moment um but he does need to sell the agenda talk about um specifically what we need to do to um solve the climate crisis uh and the the, you know, the pieces of the bill. We know that it's kind of been a messaging failure calling this bill Build Back Better because Build Back Better doesn't really say anything to the American people about what they're trying to get done. So he needs mm. to get back to talking about lowering the cost of prescription drugs, transitioning to clean energy, you know, creating tax incentives for people to um, buy electric cars, buy solar panels, and, you know, down to the specific details. And it was really interesting, I thought, that at the time that he gave his State of the Union address, of course, uh, Russia was busy bombing Ukraine, which led to pressure on oil supplies. And as you mentioned, the you know gas prices have increased. They started increasing before the Russian invasion. And it's the oil companies that are swimming in profits. And I would have liked to have seen him use that point to pivot to our move away from oil, to use that to say, this is why, you know, the fact that oil companies can, on a whim, because they're worried about future supplies, raise gas prices, that's a good reason to turn away from oil and gas dependence and to invest more in electric vehicles. Instead, he said, we're going to release more, you know, uh, of the strategic reserve and we're going to 
do everything we can to ensure that gas prices remain low. Um, you know, there, there's many missed opportunities, it seems, especially on the climate agenda, which can be linked to economic justice issues. You know, if he had brought up the Green New Deal, I know People's Action and many other organizations have wished aspects of the Green New Deal, rebuilding our infrastructure through green jobs is a win-win for everybody. Um, and, and it just doesn't seem as though he and Democrats are doing enough to remind the American people that that's why they're in power. <laughs> and that's what, you know, and, and those, those are popular issues, right? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely agree. Um, you know, this, this Russia's horrible war against Ukraine has been an absolute reminder that fossil fuel reliance isn't just about wildfires, hurricanes, pollution, and drought, but it, you know, fuels needless warfare and mass atrocities. So, um, and then as you said, uh, corporate polluters are exploiting the war by driving up oil prices and driving up utility and gas prices for the rest of us. It would, um, you know, Americans could abs should absolutely be asked to those who can afford it to invest in green energy. And, um, you know, as a, as a national security, aspect as well as to save our planet. Um, and the solar the solar companies stand ready. I mean, they sent a letter to the president saying, look, we are ready to ramp up US production of solar panels in the United States if you're gonna pass um, this, this bill that gives us tax credits and gives consumers tax credits so we know we can um, sell the products. Um, but, you know, they're living with uncertainty of, you know, are they going to do this this massive ramp up of increasing green jobs in the United States? And we should really lead in solar production um, until they get this bill passed. Let's talk about the child tax credit, which you mentioned in passing earlier. This was something that was, you know, a tangible relief for working families around the country last year when it expired. It was a blow to many Americans. Again, gas prices are increasing. The cost of consumer goods is increasing, but wages are stagnant. Um, and, and, and now this child tax credit um, has been allowed to expire. Lawmakers talked a good talk about ensuring that it would be re, um, you know, sort of renewed and put back into legislation. So where is that specific aspect right now? And it's so sad that we have to keep thinking about uh, whether mansion and cinema like, you know, certain aspects of these bills enough to allow them. So where do mansion and cinema stand on the child tax credit? Great. Thank you for asking me that. I mean, I think first it is important to take a step back and say, um, you know, Democrats did pass the American Rescue Plan last year. Um, it was an example of government working for us. Only Democrats voted for that bill and the president signed it. And it really um, helped uh, alleviate a lot of the pain, economic pain people are experiencing during the pandemic um, and created record number of jobs. And part of that bill was the expanded tax credit where people not only got a tax credit when they filed their taxes, but um, parents were getting uh, monthly checks up until December. And I mean, we have the data to show that that cut child poverty by 40% in the time that people were receiving those paychecks. Um, and we, I think it's projected that if it were to be continued into this year, we would see childhood poverty drop even further. So it's just like a really easy fix to a problem that I think everyone agrees is a problem, which is ch children shouldn't live in poverty in the United States. Um, and so 
uh, that did expire in December, and it was one of the main issues um, that stopped negotiations between Senator Manchin and the White House on this budget reconciliation budget reconciliation package. Um, I don't know exactly the details. You know, I read the news. Manchin has said he wants programs to be funded for 10 years under the budget and not one year at a time. Um, I think we disagree with uh, his rationale for that, but that's you know sort of what he's saying and funding the child tax credit for 10 years would be expensive and means other priorities need to be cut. And then the other piece, that's just one, one of his critiques. Another critique was that he talked a lot about um, having a work requirement, which is just a non-starter for people. I mean, we know our um, one of our member groups has a has a member leader in Maine, and she used the child child tax credit to you know pay for gas to get to college because she's a working mom or a, you know student and and a mom, and uh, so we're strongly opposed to work requirements. I mean, the that's a reason... Republican talking point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the other reason is like. People need childcare before they can get a job. They need money <laughs> to, be able to go apply for a job. Um, but yeah, I think there should be a work requirement for Congress to literally work yeah. for us. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's you know that's where we are in that. We we're hopeful that there can be some room for negotiation with him on that. It might be a pared down version um, of of the expanded child tax credit, but it it is nobody's giving up on it. I just see. say that. So what needs to happen now? Your uh, uh, People's Action, along with 120 plus uh, progressive organizations, sent this letter to Chuck Schumer. You're trying to pressure him to restart negotiations on these key aspects of Biden's legislative agenda, which, as you mentioned earlier, there's a ticking clock on because we have midterm mm -hmm. elections coming up later this year. And why should Americans trust Democrats if Democrats can't keep the promises that they've made? So it's a critical test, right, for Democrats to ensure that they're actually doing what they were elected to do. And so uh, are, there, are there other forms of pressure? Are there uh, protests or letter writing campaigns or, you know, other pressure campaigns that my viewers and listeners can engage in if they think that the Democrat, uh, that the, that Biden's legislative agenda needs to be pushed forward? Yes. So, I mean, everyone should contact their senator or member of Congress, and you can go to People's Action web Action's website if you want to use one of our tools. Uh, to contact them, or you can just contact them through their website. But you know, part of our goal, as you said, is Democrats aren't talking enough about these climate investments or the child tax credit or the lowering prescription drug prices. And so what we want is Senator Schumer to start talking about it again and all of the Democrats in the Senate to you know, keep putting that pressure on Manchin while we continue to put pressure on Manchin. So we are asking, you know, people can ask their own senator, whether it's, you know, Wisconsin or Georgia to um, to keep pushing, to speak up about this, to keep this issue in the news cycle. Um, and then in, you know, we do have a member that deserves a shout out, West Virginia Citizen Action Group. In West Virginia, they haven't given up. You know, I hear people get so they're frustrated keeping, around trying the to keep Manchin, their representative in the Senate Manchin accountable. Can't try can't keep him accountable. They they phone bank West Virginia voters um, 
you know, every, every other week. That's something people can volunteer to do through our website as well. Um, I think there's a volunteer tab and you can look for call Senator Manchin um, with West Virginia Citizen Action. I'm sorry, call West Virginians. The idea is to call West Virginians and then patch them through to call Senator Manchin because we're trying to get her, his constituents to call him. But his constituents have been very active. They've done creative things. Um, they've, they've sung songs to Senator Manchin on social media, asking him to pass this package. Um, to take climate action, they've done canvassing, um, they've done op-eds and the local papers, um, but that, you know, they haven't stopped and it's been, you know, a year now. So uh, we want to keep supporting them in that effort. I want to thank you so much, Megan, for joining us. Give out a website for People's Action again. It is peoplesaction.org. And we'll post a link to that. Good luck to you. Thank you so much, Sonali. My, my guest has been Megan Esaheb, Director of Federal Affairs at People's Action. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.